Good morning, church. Hey, thank you guys for being here today. As always, it's a blessing to be together on the first day of the week as God's family. We're going to dig into the Word here in just a moment, but what an encouragement to see how many folks are filled with the Spirit and getting moved by God to do great things in the community, the families, the workplaces you find yourself in. How many of you are excited about what Jesus Christ is doing in your life? Yes. He is an awesome God, is He not? Uh, and I love the fact that we're tied to him, we've become disciples of Christ, and we've made a decision this year uh, to say that God is enough, that Jesus Christ has done enough, and we want to lean into the blessing uh, that he has for us in our life. Thanks again for being here this morning. We do have some guests here with us today. Thanks for joining us and being a part of Crosspoint. It's truly an honor that you are here and with us. And I want to give a shout out. My dad is here this morning, uh, right down here by Robin. Uh, and he's been a preacher for 50, 50 plus years, I think. So I'm a little nervous this morning. I've, he's got some time in on me. But uh, we're glad that, that he's here as, as well. Uh, we're going to be in God's Word this morning looking at three different stories out of the Gospel account. Uh, we'll start out in Matthew chapter 8. And so I hope you've got your Bibles and you'll turn with me there. We'll be there momentarily. We'll also be in Luke chapter 24 and Mark chapter 2. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. When those texts get here, they'll all be up on the screen for you as well. Uh, This is a great opportunity to be together. We're at the very end of a series called Howdy Neighbor. Say that back to me. Howdy neighbor. We've done that every week. And it's a reminder that we're called to live in community with those around us, that we're called to share our lives, share our possessions, share who we are with those around us and enter their life and and just try to be an encouragement, try to be Jesus' hands and feet to those around us. And we started out uh, in Luke chapter 10. Uh, and talked about racism, if you remember, four weeks ago already. And then we talked uh, about orphans and fostering and kids and our own kids here at Crosspoint and how we can symbolically adopt them and pour into them as the people of God. Last week we talked about the poor and how we can come alongside them and help them as well be included in the family of God. Today we're going to talk about the lonely. How do we interact with, as a body of believers, the lonely? Uh, those that feel isolated, those that feel like they've been marginalized and maybe, maybe a wallflower, maybe at the back of the room and nobody even sees them, yet they have their own life struggles. They have their own things going on in life just like you and I do. Uh, how do we as the family of God come alongside them in that process? Well, we started this a month ago in Luke chapter 10 where an expert in the law came to Jesus and he asked the question, who is my neighbor? And we've been exploring that all through uh, these few weeks that we've been together looking at this particular question. You know, way back at creation, God created everything that you can think about in the entire universe. He created uh, the clouds that we have seen over the weekend. He created uh, the storm schedule that we experienced uh, over the weekend. He created the, the beautiful evening we had last night with the sun uh, that was out in a very temperate temperature. He created marriage. He created all of the beautiful animals that we see in the world around us. And after every single thing he created, he said, it is good. He looked at one particular thing and another, and he finished every one of those moments in time by saying, it is good. However, when he got to Adam, and he saw that Adam was alone, It was the first time that God said, it is not good for Adam to be alone. We're called as the people of God to live in community, to interact with one another through life. It's not good for us to be alone. 
And we know that community has existed theologically forever. God says, let us create man in our image with the illusion that God has lived in community forever, the idea. And so you and I are also called to live in community. And when we think about those who may be lonely in life, what's the first thing that comes to your mind, maybe? It could be that senior generation, the older generation, those that are widows and widowers. Maybe we consider them lonely. Maybe, maybe the homeless would fall into that category as well. There are a number of different illustrations that you and I could drum up in our own mind as to what and who might be lonely. But I want to dig into an idea that we brought up last week, relational poverty. What does it mean to be relationally poor in our life? And certainly in our current culture, there are some indicators that would let us know why maybe people are feeling alone or isolated in life. Certainly, you and I have experienced the moment in time when we've been right in the middle of a whole lot of people and yet felt alone. Raise your hand if you've ever been there, felt that way. Yeah, most of us in here would say we have experienced that moment where we're with a lot of people, yet we feel like we're not connected in any way. Social media has helped kind of move that idea, that feeling along, if you will. I mean, you and I can look at our Facebook account and see how many hundreds and hundreds of friends that we have, right, on our Facebook account. And every single day, that number may grow a little bit, ever so slightly. You could ask yourself, well, how many friends do I truly have? And then out of that number, you might ask, how many do I talk to daily. How many have I talked to since I have friended them or spoken to them? How many of those friends on Facebook would drop everything to come be with me at 2 a.m. if I called and asked? That number continues to shrink, doesn't it? And we see that we don't have as many friends as maybe we think we do. Even right here at Crosspoint, I mean, we have new families and new faces in here every single week. And even right here in God's family, there are some of us, some of you, who feel lonely and isolated. You and I go to workplaces at times, and maybe you have a a cubicle or an office that you work in, and you don't really talk to many people there at the office, so you feel kind of isolated and alone, and you you do your work and you go home. Maybe you're a a stay-at-home parent, and you feel isolated and alone. There's not a lot of social contact I've talked to college students over the years who find themselves in a class full of hundreds of people on a a campus full of thousands of people, and as they walk across campus, feeling so incredibly alone and isolated. Maybe you are experiencing a, a dysfunctional marriage, and there's two people living under one roof together, but there's really no discussion, there's no talk. You're journeying alone, even though you're in a home with one other person, you've split up the bills and you don't really talk much at all. Maybe you're that successful business person who has risen to the top and you've discovered along the way that it's pretty lonely at the top. You've got that title that's a a CEO or a CFO or something like that that would put you in a different category and place you alone. You see, relational poverty, that definition, is lacking connection and intimacy with other humans to live a meaningful life. You and I want connection in life. We want to be known, and we want to know. We want to interact with those around us. 
So the question remains, though, for us today in our culture, why is relational poverty a problem? And I'm going to give you four different ideas on why and how that could be a problem for us today. One is the breakdown of families in our culture. The divorce rate is about 43% across America, and the Christian community pats ourselves on the back because it's lower than it used to be, but that's only really because now people, instead of getting married, are simply cohabitating. So divorce doesn't occur. But when that divorce happens, then uh, many times those, that couple has a group of friends, and friends tend to have to pick sides, maybe even a different church location. One stays, the other has to find another church, and so that relationship building begins all over again. And so many times the breakdown of the family unit causes that isolation and that loneliness It's also increased mobility right here in our country. We continue to have hundreds and hundreds of people moving to the metro uh, over time. Every single month, brand new families come to the metro from the rural outlying areas. We are a culture that is constantly on the move because of business, because of family. And because of that, we may find ourselves alone and isolated because we find ourselves in a new town, a new city, with brand new faces to get to know along the way. Maybe it's the the heavy workload. I don't know of anyone who doesn't take work home with them anymore. Sit on both ends of the couch with your laptops open, trying to catch a little bit of television along the way, but you're simply working on that workload that doesn't seem to go away. And so that time for connection, for intimacy, that, that, that time to get to know how your day is may not be there. And the one we've already addressed is the rise of social media. The idea of, I'm going to post a picture or a comment, and I want to see how many likes I get. And if I don't get enough likes, I'm going to begin to question myself and wonder, how deep are my relationships, uh, how, how deep do they run with those friends that I do have? Today, we're going to take a look at our mentor and example, Jesus Christ. We're going to dig into the story of ministry that he did to really understand better, how does he connect relationally? How does he make that connection? How does, he, how does he interact with the public that he finds himself with? And I think you and I are going to come away from these stories with three ideas that Jesus did in his ministry that you and I also need to be aware of as we walk with Jesus, as we journey together as the body of Christ. And that very first one is this that we love through physical touch, that you and I love to come in this door on any given Sunday morning and get that hug from Ruby, don't we? She's there. She's going to find you. And if she doesn't, if you don't come find her, she's going to get around until she sees you and then she's going to give you a hug. We look for that. This is an incredibly welcoming group of people and I applaud you for that. We love being known and getting to know others. There's a story in Matthew chapter 8 where we're going to start, and Jesus is going to do a miracle for someone whose desire is to be healed. So let's begin our reading in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside, and suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. I don't think this guy knew Jesus very well. If you are willing, Jesus is willing, don't you think? 
We see that in story after story, how he interacts with the public around him. But this man has a a statement. He's got belief. If you're willing, I've heard a lot about you. If you'd stop for a minute and help me out. I need to mention a little bit about leprosy here. It's, It's a very difficult disease to deal with. And to look at, it, it, is, it is tough. Initially begins with a discoloring of the skin and then it causes nerve damage along the way, muscle weakness that can lead to deformities, it can lead to crippling, blindness, and it will lead to isolation. Some of the loneliest people in the world are those that have been diagnosed with leprosy because they cannot, it's difficult to be touched in their life, physically. Every two minutes worldwide, someone is diagnosed with leprosy. We don't hear about it much here in America, but worldwide, it's quite quite an event. Over three million people on our planet deal with this disease each and every day. And every day, 75 children are diagnosed with leprosy. It is a death sentence of about 10 years a slow-moving disease that will eventually take your life. And all along the way, you experience isolation, the lack of human touch. And this man walks up to Jesus, and he simply wants the touch. In Jewish culture, it's interesting because you would be banned from the city outside the village. You could not be inside the encampment. If you had been diagnosed with leprosy, you would be part of a group that would be shunned. You, you would not be able to go to worship. You would not be able to go to the marketplace. You could not openly go where other people who were healthy were located. If you found yourself in that position, in any moment you would have to yell loudly, unclean, unclean, and the people would part like waters. How humiliating. How ashamed you would be in your sickness. There's a movie that captured somewhat of what that might be like. A 1959 film called Ben-Hur. Charlton Heston starred in that movie and you're going to see about a three-minute clip here of, it's a very protracted story, but Ben-Hur basically is accused of a crime he didn't commit. He's sent off to prison and while he's gone, his mother and his sister are kicked out of their place where they live and so they eventually have leprosy, and they're put outside the city. They live in a cave with other lepers, and they depend on other people to take care of their needs. Let's watch. Why did you tell me they were dead? It was what they wanted. Judah, you must not betray this faith. Will you do this for them? Not to see them. They're coming. Judah, Judah, love them in the way they must need to be loved. Not to look at them. Judah, let it be as if you had never come here. Please, Judah!
Is Judah well? Is he happy? Yes, he is well. Your mind can be at rest for him. He is well, Miriam. God be with you. blessing left to think you remember them as they were and live your own life forget what is here forget it is that they were alive in a grave but what can you do undo what you've done how could you have suffered them to come here i must seek no you're a beast Joseph! Think, Judah, think! It will tear them apart if they see you. Imagine if you were not allowed to go to the mall. Imagine if you were not allowed to come to church. Imagine if you could not go to the park and play with your kids. The, the loneliness and isolation that would set in. And there are people that we live around each and every day that experience that. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We are the body here on earth, and it is our call, our task, to reach out to all of those who live in isolation, who feel alone. I recall, again, this is a very welcoming congregation, but a few months ago there was a a gentleman here who was listening intently to the worship, and as I preached, I saw his tears. First time I'd ever seen him, the only time I've ever seen him. Afterwards, I went right to him and shook his hand, hugged him up, let him know we were glad that he was here. And he told me a little bit of his story on the way out. I told him, I'm glad, glad that you were here, brother. And he stopped and he said, what did you say to me? I said, I called you brother. And he said, you don't know how much that means to hear you say that. There are people in our lives that are experiencing that isolation. Who, who like Jesus in his text, what he says in verse 3, we should be like. Jesus says in verse 3, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. You and I are called to love on all of God's creation. 
no matter where they find themselves, no matter what their skin color might be, what age they might be, what tax bracket they're in, or how set aside in life they feel that they are. We are now God's hands and feet, and like Jesus, we are called to touch those around us, to hug them up, to let them know that they are important as well. But we're also called to love by listening to others that we come in touch with each and every day. Most of us don't listen to understand. We listen to reply. And this morning is, is, a, is a push for us to listen, truly listen to those that we come in touch with, like Jesus does in the text in Luke chapter 24. This text in the reading happens the Sunday that Jesus is risen from the dead. There are a couple who are headed out of Jerusalem after all that's gone on on the weekend. They're disciples of Jesus Christ, and they're headed back to their house, which is about seven miles away from Jerusalem. They've experienced and seen their rabbi put to death. They have seen the hatred that's happened within the town, and they are somewhat beside themselves. Let's begin reading in our story, Luke chapter 24, verse 13. That same day, that Sunday, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short. Sadness written across their face. Jesus starts out by asking a question. He could have easily revealed himself in the moment. But instead of revealing himself, he wants to lean into the conversation. He wants to let them know that I am listening to your sadness. I want to be a part of what's going on in your world right now. And so he poses yet another question. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What I think is interesting about that comment actually is that Jesus had the front row seat the entire time. He is the one who knows about everything that's happened, even stuff they don't know that has happened. But then Jesus asked, verse 19, what things are you talking about? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. He had hoped, we had hoped, he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And all this happened some three days ago. Jesus is teaching us in this moment as followers of Christ. He's teaching us that having an answer isn't always about fixing things. Many times it's simply about being present with empathetic listening. Allowing people to be heard in the moment. Not to come up right away with an answer to the problem that you are experiencing, but to just be present. And for humans, that is so difficult There are moments at our house where Robin will say, we need to talk. And my heart flutters just a little bit because I think I'm in trouble. 
but she just wants to know about my day. She wants to connect about the relationships that she and I have been in and out of all day long, what's going on in the world around us. She just wants to share. She doesn't need advice from me. She doesn't need a solution on how to fix it. She just wants me to be present. That's tough. We want to help those in life that we come across, but sometimes the greatest thing we can do for others is just listen. I told you a couple of weeks ago about our friend Victoria, who works at the deli department at the Walmart right up the road here. Uh, and there are moments when we go in there, the last time we went to see her, she came out from behind the counter and uh, wanted to hug her pastors, as she calls us, and uh, she is telling us about the argument she and her sister are having because they live in the same house together. Well, there are no solutions to that. I'm not going to give her any insight. I just simply need to sit and listen, although I want to give her some advice. I'm not going to do that. She just needs someone to listen. As the morning goes on and as I preach from the Word of God, many of you are very active listeners, nodding your head, saying amen every now and then like James called for a while ago. And that's an idea that you are listening to what the Spirit is saying from His Word. People simply want to be heard, and they need empathetic listening in their life like Jesus offers to those on the road to Emmaus. And finally, we love with giving time to other people. In in the three and a half years that Jesus was on this earth, he never was so rushed that he could not stop along the way. Have you ever noticed that in the stories throughout the Gospels? He's on his way to do one thing. Maybe it's to another town to preach. Maybe it's a miracle at someone else's home. Could be any number of things. And many times along the way, he gets stopped for ministry. He gets stopped so that he can help someone along the way. We find that occurring In Mark chapter 2, this is a story you're going to know very well. Let's read that together, verse 1, beginning. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, and so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. You see, God, through Jesus Christ, takes time for you and for me. Here's a moment where Jesus is expounding on the word of God, how to make your life better if you listen to God. And in the middle of that very important moment, an opportunity for ministry arrives. 
If you're like me, sometimes I get too schedule bound and I need to loosen that up. I need to create some margins in my schedule to answer God's call in those moments. I remember when I first started ministry uh, in Ponca City with my predecessor, Larry Kern. Uh, there was a, a day when one of the guys at the uh, refinery had the day off. And so he decided to come by and talk to me and Larry for some extended period of time. He came in. I had some things to do. I'm sure Larry did too. And Mike hung around for about an hour and a half talking about family and work and all kinds of different things. And he finally left. And I looked at Larry. I was very young in ministry. And I said, Larry, what, what are we going to do about this? We have things to do. You know, I, we can't just have people coming in here all the time, taking our time up. We've got a list of things we've got to get accomplished. Larry smiled and he put his arm around me and he said, Tim, people are what we do. And it was a reminder, it's always stuck with me. He's exactly right. Because Larry, he was a funny guy, but he looked a lot like Jesus. And he reminded me of that in that moment. Over the last three or four months, my, my dad's been coming over and uh, we've had time to hang out on the weekends about every other weekend. And he said two or three weeks ago at breakfast together, he said, I've enjoyed this time together. We've had some time together. He's a minister, I'm a minister. It's difficult for us to connect. But to take time out and to, to get to know each other, to reacquaint is so incredibly important. I mean, there are people in your life right now, people that you know that you need to interact with, that you need to take time with, people that you could text or call or email or take to lunch. There are folks you know that you need to take that time with, and today is a perfect day to do that, to let them know how much they mean to you. A few weeks ago, we had that artificial tree out in the commons, and many of you wrote a name on that wooden clip, and you put it on the leaf of that tree. It's still out there. It'll be out there all year. How often have you contacted the person that you wrote on that wooden clip? Today's a perfect day to let them know that you care about them, that you're praying for them, that they're a part of your daily thought process. What if today you made time? But what if this morning you're the one that's lonely? What if you're sitting there this morning and it's, it's you that feel isolated and it's you that feel alone? I want to, from the stage, apologize to you on my part. We are a group of imperfect people. We're not going to get it right. Just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Sometimes we overlook. Sometimes we leave out. And it's unintentional along the way. And it's a call and a reminder for us as we look at the stories of Jesus to be patient, to forgive along the way, to realize that none of us are perfect, that we all need Christ in our life. But I want you to know that you are loved and it is no accident that you are here at Crosspoint. God has brought you to this place. You're designed to be in community. And this is a wonderful community of God's believers to be a part of. As we reach out all over the world to share the gospel message, as we uh, work uh, hard right here in our own community to help families who find themselves marginalized. I want to encourage you this morning to discover in your life what you are passionate about, where you feel your gift set is, 
And then figure out a way to get plugged into the ministry here at Crosspoint to be involved with other people, to be involved in the community. Maybe you simply need to ask a question of a staff member, of a, a shepherd, a ministry leader. How do I use this for God's glory right here where I worship? How can I be a part of community? See, at the end of the day, what you and I have to remember all through this series is that God loves you. Jesus Christ has gone the full measure for you. There is no reason why you can't be a part of the family of God. There's no reason why you can't hear the call of Jesus Christ to come and follow me and and be a part of this loving, kind, compassionate group who calls themselves disciples of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Today is a reminder that you're called into community. You're called into the family of God to interact and be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever you go in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, with your families, right here at Crosspoint. So incredibly important that we realize and know that God loves you and he wants you as part of your family, his family. That's the call this morning. I'm gonna invite Brad and the praise team back to the stage at this time and our Our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. As we sing this next song, I I have to feel that there may be some in this room who are feeling the heaviness of isolation, who who are feeling that that maybe they haven't been included as much as they had hoped to be. And I I want you to really do some soul searching and ask yourself, where am I on that journey? How can I move past that moment in my life that maybe made me feel isolated? I would encourage you to go uh, let one of our shepherds pray for you, with you, and over you. Let them lay hands on you. Let them remind you that you are also created in the image of God, that you also are part of God's family, and he desperately wants you in his family. That's the message today. Who is my neighbor? We all are each other's neighbor, and we all are part of the family of God. Let's stand and sing together.